Do you find yourself wishing you had more energy, healthier habits, or fun family activities? At the YMCA, you can find your passion, find family fun, and find your happy place, all while supporting your community. Join the Y in March with a $0 enrollment fee and enjoy motivating group exercise classes, heated pools, pickleball, and so much more. Visit YMCADC.org to learn more and to find your nearest Y in D.C., Maryland, or Virginia today. People are stupid. Live to tape. Welcome to Millennial 507. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. I feel like it's been a while since it's been just us three. I know. <laughs> I mean, to I love having... if I needed to add the and or not. That's how long it's been. <laughs> <laughs> I love having guests on, but I also like it when it's just like back to basics, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The, the basics being us. Right. One, two, three. <laughs> nice and easy. So I wanted to fill everyone in on the latest on my HOA drama. So you might recall that last week I was complaining about the fact that I got an email from the payment processor for our HOA telling me like, hey, um, your HOA payments every month have been going to this association, which is actually not your association, even though the names are exactly the same, except for one word. And they were like, so yeah, reach out to your bank, have them, you know, send this to the correct organization. And I was like, the bank's not going to know that. So I reached back out and I was like, so what y'all are telling me is that you've been accepting incorrect payments for two years and you're just now telling me. Well, they finally got back to me and they were like, yeah, so it looks like this was a clerical error, which is also resulting in all of these late fees that you've been getting every month. And I was like, yeah, well, the funny thing about that is I communicated with the property manager about this last year. And he was like, oh, yeah, that was just a clerical problem. Let me fix that. I'll clear those for you. Apparently not. Well, tell him to get on that shit. I emailed him and he hasn't responded to me. <laughs> Laura, it's very rare to come across people like us who are so on the ball and reliable. And sometimes we have to step out of this beautiful bubble that we're in and experience these assholes. And that's what I'm afraid you're going through right now. I so know. I'm sorry. And I'm I'm not trying to be a dick about it. I'm just like, look at your records. I have paid you all your money on time. Mm-hmm. So just fix it. I'm going through a bit of a predicament here in my condo building. So, <laughs> Laura, I think you said last week that your HOA is very uh, laid back. Like there's Obviously. a board, right? Who make decisions and all that. Yeah, but, like, we never hear from them. Okay. So, like, we have a board here, and I like them. I think they're efficient. They get some. They get stuff done. We have regular board meetings. I attend all these meetings because I want them to like me. Um, I eventually want to push my own ideas onto the condo association, like uh, putting together a little, uh, one of those little lending libraries, they're called. You build a little box out on the sidewalk, and people can take and leave books as they please. You know, so I want to stay in their good graces because I want to get stuff like that built. Well, this upcoming week, one of the three board members is leaving. A second board member is like MIA half the time, not responding to any emails, 
not even really appearing at the meetings. And then the third board member, who's the president, he's really on top of, every, of everything. He gets stuff done. He's He really cares about the building, which I like a lot. So really what's going to happen after next week, after this one board member leaves, is that it's just going to be down to the efficient guy, the president, and the one who's like MIA half the time. And I'm worried about this association because they're like so on top of everything, but now it's just going to be one person making all the decisions. I'm wondering if I should run for the board now because they've been trying to get somebody to run and nobody's stepping up to the plate. Should I serve the condo association? Do you get any kind of benefit from doing it? Like, do they pay you or give you like a discount on your HOA payments? Oh, that's a good question. There should be a discount, shouldn't there? I was going to say, do you you have more sway in terms of getting things you want done? You won't even have to go to the source. You'll be the source. I right, I would have more sway, which would be cool. But it seems like the one guy who's leaving is the note taker. What's that called? The uh, secretary. I see what he does at these meetings, and I'm like, oh, this looks really complicated. I don't think I want to do that. And then the other person's the treasurer. She's the one who's like gone half the time. Definitely want to don't want to do that. So I don't know. Like I am willing to do it if another person in this association, many of whom I like, also step up. Like it's so it's me, the president, and someone else. But right now, nobody else is stepping up. I need to bug my na- downstairs neighbors about joining me. The thing that you also have to consider is: didn't you say that the president of your association is a real pain in the ass? I have. Yeah, we're uh, we're we're moving past that. In case he listens to the show, uh, oh. we'll pretend I never said that. Oh, sorry. <laughs> he doesn't listen to the show that I know of. But God, wouldn't that be embarrassing? He does. <laughs> Right. So there is that concern as well. <laughs> I'm just, I'm really torn about it because it seems like a lot of extra time and it's time I really don't want to commit, especially if I'm not being paid. Yeah. And I think you also have to consider, you know, if you're not getting any kind of incentive from this, are you just going to become that person on the board who's like never there? Right. I don't want to be that guy. Yeah, you don't want to be that guy because other people are going to be depending on you. So mm-hmm. yeah, maybe that's why that treasure lady's never there. Maybe. Right. If my HOA came to me and they were like, we want you to be on the board. And if you're on the board, you don't have to pay your monthly HOA or you get some kind of discount. And you're not going to be factored into any of the assessments yeah. that we charge people every year. I might consider it. That, oh, man, that would be amazing because my HOA is like $350 a month. If I didn't have to pay that. That's a woo! lot. Maybe you could <laughs> yeah. barter a deal if they really need somebody yeah. and no one's stepping up. Yeah. Do you need a podcaster on the board? I'll start a podcast for the condo. <laughs> oh, my God. Or start a newsletter or something. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm already busy enough. I'm on the pet committee. I'm on the garden committee. And now I got to join the board. Can some other people please step up to the plate here? Instead of this poor president doing everything, I kind of feel bad for him because he he cares. Yeah, maybe that's why, you know, he's so grouchy. Yeah, I would be too. (laughs) Anyway, I'll let people know if I run. I don't think I'm going to. You should make campaign signs. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I don't think I'd be able to use them because there is a rule that we cannot post campaign signs in our windows wow yeah 
strict rules around here. Well, no homeowner drama over here, but I do have a dog update. My uh, dog and I, we went to the vet so he could get a checkup and she suggested putting him on a low sodium diet. At first I thought he was getting husky because we were like feeding him too much and um, the food portions are fine, but it's just that the food that he was on that he likes is a little high in sodium. So uh, instead of researching you know, fancier food for him. I decided I was going to cook his food. So I've become that crazy dog lady. But it's just so (laughs) crazy how fast he slimmed down, like how much water weight he was putting on because of the sodium retention. Wow. How many pounds do you think he's lost? Well, the thing is, he's a little guy. So he's probably lost about three or four pounds. But it's a lot for a small dog. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in general, that's a lot for, I think, most dogs, because even if the dog only weighs like 70 pounds, four pounds is still a lot of weight. Right. You know? Right. So he looks sleek and lean and he's living his best <laughs> life. Um, not that he was slowing down because of the extra weight, because, you know, we go on walks and stuff like that. But it's just, I, I guess I just never realized how much of a big difference it would make. So it's a little time consuming, but uh, he's enjoying it, of course, because it's food. And yeah. uh, it feels good to know that he's, you know, not eating anything he shouldn't be. It's so hard to shop for dog food. How much extra time do you think this requires making all this food? Um, Probably not that much. Uh, I'm pretty quick with dicing because I make dinner regularly at my house. So it's just more of a matter of remembering to buy the extra stuff that I'm going to put in there when I go to the yeah. grocery store and stuff. Um, but I cook maybe uh, twice a month for him and then just portion out the food. So yeah. it's really not that much, but he also doesn't eat a lot because he's a small dog. I feel like it would be more time consuming if you had a bigger dog. Yeah. And also working from home, it's kind of easy to just start the food and leave it. I boil a lot of it because you're not really supposed to season food for dogs anyway. So... <laughs> It's not as time-consuming as making, like, a five-course gourmet meal for a human. You should season it. So what are you putting in his diet? So um, lots of fruits and veggies. So blueberries and sweet potato. He's, like, a really big fan of those. And broccoli and peas. He really likes that. And then alternating between chicken and turkey. And then for a grain, which is, like, probably makes up, like, the least amount, is uh, brown rice. And he's been really liking it. So... So lots to get to today, including the confessional and some news. And we're going to bring back Surprise Bitch. It's been a while since we've done that. Getting back to uh, the top of the show where I was like, it hasn't been just us three for a while. But first, I just wanted to give a shout out to our latest patrons, Maria, Bree, Marin, Mandy, Aileen, Trish, Naya, Christina, Kayla. Thank you for supporting us over at Patreon dot com slash millennial we hope everybody enjoys the latest installment of landy laura and i recorded it over the weekend we just hung out for 45 minutes to chat about what's going on we spoke about trump's state of emergency bohemian rhapsody because i saw that recently also we spoke about this drama around jesse smollett uh the empire actor and we're going to talk about that more in after dark today because that continues to develop so you can listen or watch each installment of Landy over at patreon.com slash 
millennial. And when you do pledge, not only does it help us, which we greatly appreciate, but you also get instant access to lots of other benefits, including being able to tune in for our live recording every week. So you get the show a little early. Again, that's at patreon.com slash millennial. Andrew, I'm so sorry. I just have to issue a pronunciation correction. Oh, whose yeah. name did I screw uh, up? It's Marin. Marin. Not, not Marin. Like the country singer, Marin Morris. Mm-hmm. There you go. I know her, so that's how I know. <laughs> oh. Oh, is that the friend of Mark's? Yeah. Well, she's my friend, too. But Okay. Yes. Because she had, <laughs> I messaged her saying like, hey, thanks for supporting us. And then she replied, oh, yeah, Mark recommended it. No problem. I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, she's Thanks, great. Mark. So I wanted to talk about the latest in the 2020 race. No other candidates have entered, which isn't too much of a surprise. I feel like 3,000 people have already entered. So we're probably good for a few weeks. But there is this new report in the New York Times today that said Obama is quietly giving advice to 2020 Democrats not ready to give an endorsement yet, though. Um, he has met with several people privately, including Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, Elizabeth Warren, Pete Buttigieg, the gay guy from Indiana. He also has spoken with Eric Holder, who is undecided on the race, and Michael Bloomberg, the former mayor of New York. And uh, he also spoke with Beto. So Obama's been busy on the phone recently talking to these candidates. He has been counseling them on what he thinks it'll take to beat Trump. But I wonder, does he really know what it would take to beat Trump because he was wrong with Hillary? So I think I could see him learning from his mistakes here, right? Like, I think probably one of the the biggest mistakes that his administration made was not taking a firmer stance on the Russian collusion that we all knew was happening at the time of the election, because Mm. the Obama administration was afraid of the appearance of favoritism towards Hillary, and they were afraid that would blow up in their face. Hindsight is 2020, as they say. Um, So it could be that he's learned from that. And I think also this could just be a rally to get everyone together so that he, as sort of like a party elder, can be sure to drive home to all these candidates that the message has to be unity, that Mm -hmm. we can't have any of this party infighting that we had in 2016, because that was also part of the reason why Hillary lost. Yeah. So I see Obama getting involved this early and so deeply, it seems. Definitely. Do you think he's called Uncle Joe and said, hey, uh, maybe you shouldn't run? I think that they probably hang out in person. Yeah. I don't think he has to call Uncle Joe. Okay. So do you think one night when they were drinking, he said, hey, man, don't run. Maybe. Before we get to confessionals, it's time for a word from our first sponsor this week, Joybird. Joybird believes that you should never settle when it comes to your home furnishings and that you should always have the freedom to be boldly original. From idea to reality, they empower you to create the space and furniture that brings you joy. With Joybird, you get one-of-a-kind furniture made to your unique taste. You get to turn your ideas into reality with hundreds of styles and options. 
from mid-century modern to contemporary classics, all the furniture is customizable in an amazing array of fabric choices, from rich buttery leather and plush velvets to every color imaginable. When you browse Joy Bird, you'll have the same reaction I've had. Whoa! The furniture is gorgeous, and there are so many customizations available. It's great because you can find just the right design and color for your home. And in addition to a wide variety of colors, they also have a wide range of kid and pet-friendly upholstery options available. There are a few other features that really make Joybird stand out. First, they offer free, personalized design consultants to help nail down your perfect design. I love this because when I go furniture shopping or decorating shopping, decoration shopping, I'm second-guessing everything. Right now, I'm considering adding an accent wall to my bedroom. I cannot decide what color. It's way too stressful because you paint that wall and it's forever. So having a design consultant is so helpful to me and takes a lot of the stress out of making an important purchase like this. They also have a 365-day home trial. Sit on it, sleep on it, break it in. If you don't love your Joybird, return for a full refund up to a year later. That is fantastic. And they also have hassle-free in-home delivery. They'll bring it to the house. They'll set it up and take out all the packaging. So you don't have to do anything. Joybird is just the total package when it comes to online furniture shopping. They've nailed down everything a shopper could want. See how Joybird is revolutionizing online furniture shopping. Create the furniture that brings you joy today at joybird.com slash millennial. You're not going to Marie Kondo this stuff. Go to joybird.com slash millennial and receive an exclusive offer for 25% off your first order by using the code millennial. They got lucky with that Marie Kondo show premiering. I know. And then their tagline is see how Joybird brings you joy. Like um, perfect timing. I know it's perfect branding. Goodness. All right. Well, moving on to the confessional, we do have a couple of confessionals here. This first one is based off of our discussion from last week's uh, installment of After Dark, where we talked about the Pew Research study that found that around a third of Americans think that blackface is at least somewhat acceptable for a Halloween costume. Uh, The listener writes, listening to this week's discussion from After Dark just brought back a formerly forgotten childhood memory. When I was in the second grade, we were forced to participate in a play about American history. I went to a school similar to Laura's, i.e. no diversity. I just remembered that the teachers painted the girl who played Harriet Tubman's skin black and also painted a couple of children black who were playing slaves. I seriously cannot believe how messed up that was and also that none of the adults involved thought, hmm, this is a bad idea. I hope that those students have, A, torn up all the pictures from the play, and B, freaked out on their parents for going along with it. You'd think that educators would have got would have been less ignorant. Yeah, well, I think hopefully it's safe to say that that type of thing will not be happening again at that school or others. Yeah, it's just astounding to me to look back, even as recently as our youth, and see how kind of like blase the attitude was towards this it's really difficult especially i think as somebody in this age group to understand that mentality i'm just thinking about my high school middle school days there was almost certainly some blackface going on in school come to think of it but nobody was really talking about it and it was also before the internet so there weren't these big discussions about it 
you know? Yeah. Well, thank you for writing in. Um, Pam, would you mind grabbing the next one? Sure. This one says, I work at an elementary school and on Valentine's Day, another teacher left a gift on my desk. I'm a girl in my 20s and he is a married 55-year-old man. We chat once in a while, but we are certainly not close and we don't even really work together. The note on the gift said, happy Valentine's Day. Here's a treat for you. I immediately felt uncomfortable and got that icky feeling in my stomach that comes when something feels inappropriate. Am I overreacting? I know that if my father told me he was giving a gift to a younger girl at his workplace, I would absolutely tell him to rethink that decision. It just feels weird. A friend of mine told me to take it as a compliment, but why is this man giving me compliments at work? Maybe I'm being oversensitive, but I don't think it's ridiculous to ask that the men at my workplace do not buy me gifts for a romantic holiday. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I don't think you're being oversensitive at all. That would creep me out, too. My question would be, um, is he giving something to everybody? Yeah. That's what I'm wondering as but well. That's a big difference. Like, but at the same time, if you feel uncomfortable, that's okay. And you're within your right to say something about it. But I would personally feel less uncomfortable if it was it was a gift to like the entire faculty. Right. Yeah. And if he left notes for everybody else too. Right, exactly. If it was just like if that was just something he did, then I would consider it to be less creepy i like the way they put it they wrote i know that if my father told me he was giving a gift to a young girl at his workplace i would absolutely tell him to rethink that decision and you also so then you have to apply that to what we're saying here if your dad was writing a valentine's day message to all the women in the workplace i think that would be pretty weird as well and something that i would say hey dad maybe don't do that mm. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like you're totally justified being uncomfortable here because it seems like the best case scenario here is that this is just a middle-aged man who's kind of clueless and doesn't <laughs> understand how it comes across. Yeah. And how uncomfortable it could make you even if he may not have any kind of nefarious intention. But that's like the best case scenario. Right. Yeah. It's so, so hard these days. Yeah. To 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 figure out if it's um if it's something more than what it could be but i i say at the end of the day go with your gut um and whatever makes you comfortable is what you should roll with right yeah um if if your gut tells you that something is inappropriate it probably is right all that matters is does it make you uncomfortable and if it makes you uncomfortable that's all that matters not what your friend thinks it was wrong because it made you uncomfortable i feel like it's extra creepy because this is taking place at an elementary school where there's age gaps between the teachers and students as well obviously and that just seems like an extra bad place to go and be writing love messages (laughs) to people 30 years younger than you Hmm. see and it's funny because in my brain i feel like it's probably slightly acceptable if kids still exchange Valentines at elementary schools. Cause like when I was younger, I think they still did like teachers would give you Valentines yeah. and like kids would exchange Valentines. So I feel like if he was already giving them to his class, if that was something that your school did, 
then it wouldn't be that much of an extra effort to say, give it to like everybody that works in your grade or everybody that works in the school that's also faculty. But I don't know. Maybe that's not normal anymore. So the person who submitted this confessional actually just came out of the confessional closet on our Discord. They said, that's my confessional. I think I was the only one who got a gift. Cringe cringe emoji. Okay, yeah, no, then that that answers that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Which is the more information. That's fucked up and weird. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that is uh, definitely wrong and potentially something you might want to go to HR for now. Because who knows what he might do next. Yeah, exactly. Right, especially because you mentioned specifically that this person and you do not have a close relationship. To the yeah. question about Ugh. do the students still write Valentine's Day notes to each other? It's unrelated to this question now, but um, I think the students do. I know my cousin who has a couple kids, she helped her daughter make Valentine's Day notes, which was always so nice as a child receiving yeah. all these little notes of love and little pieces of candy. Yeah, and it includes everybody. It's really nice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I still think even if you're not necessarily at the point where you want HR to like get involved in terms of speaking to him. Because I noticed here in the discord, you mentioned, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said he's clueless. Um, I wish he would have just thought it through a bit more. I think it would still be a good idea to get this on the record with HR in case it becomes a pattern. Yeah. That way, if it becomes a pattern, you actually have past reporting to back you up if you do decide to pursue something right like what if he comes in on tuesday and it's like happy president's day here's a treat for you (laughs) well if he does that the best response would be like i'll acknowledge president's day when we have a real president yeah (laughs) write him a note back that says roses are red violets are blue hey fuck you don't write this creepy note to me Okay, on to some news now. I want to talk about the Oscars because they are this upcoming weekend and they are uh, looking like a pretty big mess. So in the past year, the Oscars have been trying to, the Academy has been trying to make the Oscars telecast more accessible to the general public because the ratings have been falling. So they want to appeal to the masses, and they want to make everybody more interested in the Oscars. What actually happens, and I didn't know this till recently, is that the the Oscar ratings go up and down depending on the films that have been nominated in the bigger categories. If all of the movies that are nominated for Best Picture are smaller indie-type movies, there's no blockbusters, less people tune in. And the Academy is also aware that... People think that the Oscar telecast is long, which we can debate in a few minutes. So there have been a few changes this year, and they're not going very well. First of all, they attempted to add a best popular film category. They announced this last year. The idea was to get it into this year's, the 2019 Oscar telecast. Well, it got backlash, people, and um, it got delayed. So apparently now it might debut next year. But maybe they just said it got delayed and they're actually just not going to go forward with it because a lot of people were arguing, why do we need a best picture and a best popular film category? People were worried that they were going to take Black Panther out of 
best picture category and move it over to best popular film. And that sucks because it's like, hey, Black Panther genuinely deserved best picture. Don't take it out of there just because it was really popular box office wise. So they scrapped best popular film. Then they had Kevin Hart set to host, as we all know. And then he wasn't the host because all these homophobic tweets from his past came out. Then they attempted to shorten the show. They wanted to get it under three hours. And the way they were going to do this was by, A, not having all of the best original songs get a live performance. They backtracked on that. Now all the songs will have live performances. Can't wait for Shallow, by the way. And they also decided that they were not going to broadcast live four of the categories. That had a lot of backlash as well, because two of the categories, in in particular, Best Cinematography and Best Editing, were ones that they wanted to tape delay. So they were going to have the winners announced during the commercial breaks. They were going to shorten down the acceptance by, they claim, only cutting out the walk to the stage. That's what this whole hoopla was over. They said, we are going to run these during the commercial breaks so we can edit out that, what, 30 to 60 seconds in which they're walking on and off the stage. So that got a lot of backlash from Hollywood. Big Hollywood names were like, hey, um, editing is super important. Filming the movie is super important. Why would you treat these as lesser? The Academy originally said, oh, fake news. We're not treating it as lesser. We're just we're still airing the whole speech. And they reminded us that they were just going to cut out the walk to the stage. This past Friday, they reversed course on that as well. So (laughs) this year, there was going to be a best popular film category. Now there's not. Kevin Hart was going to host. Now he's not. They were going to cut out some categories from the live broadcast. Now that's not the case either. It just seems to be a total mess of a year. Pam, I know you'll be tuning in because you live and breathe pop culture. Laura, will you be tuning in? Um, I don't see any reason to change my habits. So no. <laughs> it's okay, Laura. You can just follow along on Twitter with my feed. Yeah, exactly. I'll read I'll read the recap. I'll I'll check out all the fiery tweets. Mm-hmm. I'll keep up that way. I want to watch because I feel like it's going to be a bit of a train wreck without a host and with the awkwardness around the Academy trying to take out these categories. Pam, do you really think the Oscars need to even be under three hours long? I don't get why they're so hell-bent on shortening it. I mean, for the sake of my sanity, in terms of work, I, I would appreciate a shorter ceremony, c- ceremony. But at the same time, it doesn't really matter because... People that want to watch are going to watch. And the numbers in the ratings are not dipping far enough that the Oscars are at risk of like cancellation. So who mm-hmm. cares? The other thing is, it's once a year. Can we not bear a three and a half hour broadcast once a year? And also, what else are you doing on a Sunday night past 11 o'clock? Right. Yeah, you might be going to bed, but if you have any interest in these, if you stuck with it for two hours, you'll stick with it for three to three and a half hours. It bothers me because I enjoy the longer broadcast. I make a whole night of it. It's fun. You sit there on Twitter, you order a pizza, you have some drinks. It sucks for the people that actually go because the Oscars are notoriously a dry ceremony. Hmm. 
Um, so I know it's a lot of sitting for celebs, but whatever. If they're going to pat themselves on the back, they're then they rich, can sit whatever. there for three hours. Longer. Yeah, Meryl can deal. Yeah, it's one night. Yeah. I was also thinking when they were like, oh, we want to cut down the the time that it takes to walk to the stage. We want to cut that out. And I'm thinking to myself, Meryl Streep is sitting in the front row every damn year, whether or not she's nominated. Maybe Meryl and many other big names would be willing to move back a few rows to get every everyone who's been nominated closer to the stage. That way you don't have to worry about this issue. Yeah, Meryl. Yeah, Meryl. Move I, back, Meryl. And guess what? I bet Meryl would be happy to move back a few rows. Does she really want to sit there every year having yeah, the camera trained like, on her? Perfect face. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, my God. No, thank you. Pat takes the Oscars way seriously, by the way. Like, we've been invited to an Oscar party two years in a row. And both years, he's turned it down because he wants to focus on the ceremony. Like, he doesn't want to socialize with other people during it. I'm like, is it that important to you? You know, Andrew, sometimes you just have to learn how to respect the things that are important to your partner, even if they aren't necessarily important to you. Sounds to me like Pat needs to watch by himself. (laughs) (laughs) Right. He barely wants me there, I don't think. (laughs) So anyway, we'll talk about the Oscars next week, see how they went. I'll be watching. Pam will be watching. Laura will be watching Twitter. Correct. Sounds good. Well, before we move on to the rest of our news, Andrew, you might actually find this helpful. And for those of you who want your special day to be better organized than the Oscars, boy, do we have a sponsor for you. Uh, It's called Zola. Zola is the wedding company that will do anything for love. And they're reinventing the wedding planning and registry experience to make the happiest moment in couples' lives even happier. From engagement to wedding and decorating your first home, Zola is there, combining compassionate customer service with modern tools and technology, all in the service of love. Zola is the easiest way to plan your wedding and register. Join 500,000 couples who've used Zola to make free wedding websites, their dream wedding registries, and affordable save the dates and invitations. Start with a free wedding website. It's so easy and takes just minutes to set up. There are over 100 beautiful wedding website designs to choose from that fit any couple's style and type of wedding. Case in point, a friend of mine is getting married later this year and did her save the dates digitally. I was able to RSVP for her wedding for myself and Mark in just the space of a few minutes. So this is a good experience for wedding attendees as well. Once you've got a website, build your dream registry at Zola. The Zola store has the widest selection of gifts at all different price points. There's something for every guest to give. And guests will love free shipping and returns, price matching, and more. You can also create funds for your honeymoon, future home, new puppy, or anything you want. To start your free wedding website and also get $50 off your registry on Zola, go to Zola.com slash M-I-L-L. That's Z-O-L-A dot com slash M-I-L-L to start your free wedding website and get $50 off your Zola registry. Go to Zola.com slash M-I-L-L for a free wedding website and $50 off your Zola registry and feel that wedding planning stress melt away. (sighs) Well, you know what else we can be a little less stressed about? It's the fact that women are kicking butt in the box office. 
Yeah. There is a new study out from USC's Annenberg Inclusion Initiative that reports that of the highest 100 grossing films of 2018, uh, there are more women featured than ever in leading roles. And this is a really big deal because, you know, for the last few years, we've really been focusing on the Time's Up initiative and having more female representation in films, both in front of the camera and behind the scenes. So it's great to see that that's kind of trickled over in terms of being in front of the camera. So... In the research, it shows that in 2018, women led or co-led 40 of the top grossing movies of the 100 that was mentioned before. Uh, And this is the most since AI2 started tracking film representation since 2007. So this research also shows a small spike in diversity among female leads as well. So 11 of the movies starred women of color, up from four in 2017, and 11 of the movies starred women who were 45 or older, up from five in 2017. So these numbers are not very impressive if you just kind of look at them, but I think it's really important to talk about this because all progress, even small progress in the right direction is good, you know? And it's also important to note that ticket sales in 2018 were also up by 4%, which means that, you know, moviegoers want to see more representation in film. And that's really exciting because that's really kind of the only leg all of these movie execs have had to stand on for so long. But these sales and box offices and movies like Black Panther and Crazy Rich Asians making so much money just proves that, you know, we want to see our real world reflected on the screen. So it's great to see that small change is happening. Yeah, yeah. I agree. And I'm really glad to see that um, for the most part, it seems like representation is being viewed more positively now. I feel like even just like two, as recently as two to three years ago, it wasn't uncommon to see people on Facebook like openly complaining about this kind of stuff. And now I'm seeing even more allies than I used to stepping up and being like, yeah, you know what? It was easy for us because growing up, we saw ourselves represented in video games and movies and TV shows and all of the media that we consumed. And that's not true for everyone else. Right, Right, exactly. I have felt that from time to time due to just seeing gay people on screen. But I know it's a much larger issue for women and other minorities. So I can't even really imagine how frustrating it's been. It still blows my mind that next month, Captain Marvel will be released. That movie is Marvel's first uh, movie led by a woman. That's insane to me that it's taken this long when you think about how many Marvel films have been released so far. And also impressive, too, because they chose to lead with a comic book character that isn't necessarily as well known as somebody like Spider-Man. But the hype is still there. Like People are still so excited about Captain Marvel. And it's just a testament to, you know, the storytelling that's already seeping through the trailers and stuff like that. So I really hope they do well at the box office because it looks really great. People are excited, but I wouldn't call it impressive just because, like, I mean, why didn't they go with, like, Black Widow? I feel like that would have been a better choice. I feel like they went with Captain Marvel just because her name has Marvel in it. Good branding. But <laughs> yeah. speaking of Black Widow, I mean, that that's a solo movie that is coming down the pipeline that would not have been possible even when Marvel first started cranking out these Avengers movies. Like, they were always saying that there was no market 
for a story like Black Widows to take center stage. And now that's a project that's moving forward with Scarlett Johansson also working behind the scenes on it. And, you know, that's great, too. I also wanted to point out this 4% challenge. We recently learned that from 2007 to 2018, 4% of the directors of the 1,200 top grossing films were women. Only 4%. So the Time's Up initiative have organized the 4% challenge in which filmmakers, including actors and actresses, are encouraged to announce your commitment to work with a female director on a feature film in the next 18 months. And this has gone viral in the Hollywood community. A lot of actors are speaking up and saying, yes, I commit to the 4% challenge. So we might be seeing a wave of women directing high-profile films. Right. And wasn't... uh, Didn't Universal Studios recently sign that too? Like a commitment to uh, hiring more women behind the scenes? Yeah, I think so. And Disney's Bob Iger was like, hey, you know, I love this 4% challenge, but we're actually blowing way past that already. That's really great. I think that the key here too is... um, keep these women in the spotlight because you know a lot of people work behind the scenes on films and it's hard to kind of grasp just how many women are working in film when all we see are these old usually white men that are like the figureheads for these companies Mm -hmm. um so i feel like you know spotlighting these women too would do wonders to kind of showcase You know, the fact that women are already there, but now they're not just doing, you know, the smaller roles. They're stepping up in bigger ways. By the way, Disney's Bob Iger did say 40% of Disney's upcoming movie slate is being directed by women. And we are striving for more. Super cool. I was, this is not like women related, but I was really impressed uh, when I went to Pixar to cover Coco by how diverse their uh, staff was too. And that's mm-hmm. kind of like something that you don't really get to see too often unless you're super into, you know, the behind the scenes making of movies. But I think the yeah. more and more we talk about this, uh, the more everybody will come to realize that, yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of room for all different kinds of people to take place in, you know, or take roles in Hollywood. And that's important. Speaking of Pixar, did you see Lee Unkrich just left Pixar? I did. He directed... Coco and Toy Story 3 yes. and now he's decided to leave. I thought and that was Monsters so sad. Inc. I think he started with the with the original Toy Story like as a as a something. He wasn't like the Producer director that, but between yeah. him and Lasseter leaving that's like <laughs> it's a big uh new chapter for Pixar. Right. Yeah. Well, Lasseter he was kicked out. He got me tooed out of the studio. Right. Um, oh, uh, but <laughs> He's somewhere but, else now, right? Yeah, he got picked up by DreamWorks Animation, I want to (laughs) say. Way to read the room, DreamWorks. Yeah, he got a new job at Skydance Animation, which also owns DreamWorks Animation TV. But but the people who worked there were pissed. The women, they were like, hey, what the fuck? He just got kicked out of Pixar for feeling women up with these way too long hugs and touching their legs and all all that stuff. And now you go and hire him for our studio? Fuck you. Right. <laughs> I agree. I would be pissed. I mean, John Lasseter just needs to go. Brilliant dude. 
but his time is up. Yeah, thank you, next. Find another person who can write a Toy Story. So shifting to uh, something less fun than entertainment, according to a survey by Yale and George Mason Universities from December, seven in 10 Americans are somewhat worried about climate change, and three in 10 are extremely worried. With that, half of Americans are extremely or very sure climate change is happening. Six in 10 believe it is largely human caused, and yet only one in five Americans understand that 90% of climate scientists have concluded that human-caused climate change is happening. So first of all, how is it, I don't understand this disconnect, how is it that most Americans are in line with science, and yet we have so much distrust of science and the scientific community? I don't get it. Is it distrust or is it just denial? Because what you're about to get into is that there's uh, political implications here. And I think it's not that they distrust, but they are in denial for political reasons. Yeah, but I mean, if you have the majority of Americans who think that this is a thing that's happening, I don't understand how you could in one breath say that you believe it's happening, but then for political reasons, be like, oh, no, it's not happening. Mm -hmm. So I guess my first question is going to be, if most Americans think this is a thing that's happening, then why isn't the Republican Party trying to play to this more? I mean, one is assuming if most Americans believe that climate change is real, that there would be a significant portion of the Republican Party that believes it, too. It seems like this would be a great opportunity for Republicans to try and get some sort of across-the-aisle appeal (laughs) by making this part of their platform. Yeah, but it's all about money, right? True. So I would assume that people, all of the climate change naysayers are more um, infatuated with the idea of excelling the American economy in a way that is detrimental to the fossil fuel emissions that we're expunging into the atmosphere. Right. I think some of it, too, boils down to climate change scientists just not doing the best job or not having the best PR on their side. Oh, why do you have to blame them? Well, it's it's not their fault necessarily, but a big thing that the survey looks into is emotional responses to climate change. And just from looking at these numbers, I think this may be where the root of the problem is. So even though most Americans believe climate change is real, only 54% of those who think it is happening are outraged. That compares to 82% of the same group who report feeling interested. Hmm. So the people who believe it's real are more interested than outraged. (sighs) Yeah. And then additionally, 52% of people who believe it's real report feeling hopeful and 62% feel helpless. Hopeful how? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> how are you feeling hopeful? <laughs> I don't know. hopeful that you'll die before anything happens to me. Right. Maybe. I, Maybe. Yeah. That's the only thing that gives me hope. I know I'll be dead before oh it gets God. really bad. So I, I kind of wanted to test the panel to see where we are 
which of the following emotional reactions do we have to climate change? So our choices are interested, disgusted, helpless, afraid, angry, hopeful, or outraged. We can pick as many of those as we want. And then I also have some data from the Millennial Facebook group I want to share. Is this a new Pixar movie where our feelings towards climate change come to life? and <laughs> Inside Out 2. In yeah, Inside Out 2. Earth is burning. Um, I'm, I'm interested, disgusted. I'm going to give you like my top three. Interested, disgusted, helpless. Those first three you listed. Probably helpless, afraid, and outraged. (laughs) (laughs) I was really interested to see if anyone would say outraged because I was like, when I first read this, I was like, yeah, I feel like I should feel outraged about this. But when I think about things that I feel outraged about, I don't feel the same way about this as I feel about those things. And it's really interesting because I asked this in our Facebook group. And the responses that we got were this. So the number one response we got from the Facebook group was helpless with 105 votes. And then after that, it goes afraid with 67 votes, angry with 59 votes, outraged with 23 votes, and disgusted with 17 votes. Mm -hmm. So those really strong visceral reactions seem to be the least popular. Yeah. I guess it depends on um, how you're applying, like what you're applying those words to. Because interested could also mean you're interested in learning more about how to make a change. I said interested because I like to hear what's going on. Mm -hmm. How many icebergs broke this week? Right. And like, to me, I associate outrage with like all of the visceral feelings I have against everybody I've ever had a conversation about this with, you know? Are people voting less on the more visceral emotions because we're so burnt out on it at this point? Like, because we feel hopeless, we can't get outraged because we've tried that and it's not doing anything? Yeah. um, It would be an interesting question to pose to people in the group because I kind of want to see why they're choosing those sort of less visceral reactions and sort of erring more on the side of feeling like, well, we're, we're done. (laughs) It's over. There's nothing we can do. Mm -hmm. Um, Something that's really interesting that came out of the study is that although most Americans believe climate change is real, very few Americans believe that it's too late to fix the problem. So this, this is indicative of me that America or to me that Americans need to feel a sense of urgency in order to get on board. Yeah, because we look at this data and we see the the world temperature climbing steadily. And you can't help but feel like, well, how are we going to reverse this? There's no way. Or even look at things like like the drought in California, like th- that has been a consistent problem. And now that we've had a little bit of rain, everyone's like, oh, the drought's over. But it, it's not like that because too much rain does not allow you to build up your water resources either. Mm-hmm. So it's just mind boggling to me the way people rationalize whether or not there's still a problem. Victor brings up a good point that I reflect on from time to time. He's listening live and chatting on Discord. He says, even if people deny climate change, surely they agree that reducing pollution is a good idea. Thinking emoji. I want to create a new rule for climate change deniers. 
basically most Trump supporters. If you are not going to get on board with taking care of the climate change issues that face us, I want you to be littering everywhere you walk. And then when you start throwing trash on the ground randomly, let's say on the sidewalk outside of your home or uh, down the street while you're driving, how do you feel? Do you feel like an asshole when you litter? Because if you do, then you should care about climate change. It's the same thing that's going on here. You're, You're polluting the earth by not acknowledging that climate change is a major issue. And you're an asshole for it. And if you have a problem polluting on a daily basis, you should be concerned about climate change. Right. It's like some of you didn't grow up with Captain Planet and it shows. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I really do wonder if Americans would take this more seriously if the consequences felt more dire to them. Yeah. You know, like what if what if every time you littered, somebody came up and punched you in the face? I bet you'd stop littering. Exactly. People need to see these immediate changes. That's the problem. You don't wake up one morning and suddenly the ocean is a foot higher. It's all extremely slow moving, so it's hard to see the problem firsthand. Now, if you did your research, you would be able to. I wonder if there was some way that, like, what, what do we think would change people's minds? Like, if there was a way to show people, hey... Climate change costs you this much money every year in the extra cost for produce, which has much shorter like seasons for when we can sort of yield those crops. Yeah. So it's more expensive or like in order for you to get quality drinking water, your taxes went up this much. Like if we could actually show people how it was impacting their wallet, I wonder if that might change people's minds. Griff, again, listening live on discord he brings up a good point that i think about myself he says i'm canadian and the argument people always love to use against serious climate change mitigation policy is to say that canada only counts for about two percent of global emissions the logic is something along the lines of we can't solve it all by ourselves therefore we shouldn't do anything by ourselves what do you say to that laura i think about that too we as americans can't solve this by ourselves so why should we bother because we can well we as americans contribute to this problem quite a bit actually so there are some pretty substantial changes that we could make that would have really positive impacts all over the world so i think for americans who are saying that from the united states um they would be wrong (laughs) yeah but we have wind turbines so aren't we trying aren't we doing our best already Not really, because a lot of the time when we do try to get those alternative energy methods up and rolling, there's a certain faction of a certain party that loves to shoot that shit down. Yeah. Oh, another idea I have for climate change deniers, they should have to drive the cars with the worst MPGs. They shouldn't get to enjoy the technological advancements, the environmental advancements that ultimately save them money. Getting back to your point about the financial side you should also have to get all your movies from blockbuster because you're living in the stone age either that or maybe we can go out into the ocean and pick up some of those floating plastic islands and move them to these people's backyards yeah be like yeah this isn't that big of a deal you can have this eyesore in your backyard so it's not polluting our ocean and causing certain species of fish to go extinct The thing is, too, is like at the end of the day, people hem and haw about all these changes. Like uh, there was 
it was a big deal when the San Francisco Bay Area decided to, like, you know, you had to pay for paper bags and they weren't even going to have plastic bags that weren't biodegradable when you went to stores. But now it's been a couple of years and it's just normal. Like people completely forgot they were upset about having to carry canvas bags. And I feel like, yeah, um, it's it's like the same thing right now with with Starbucks deciding they're going to get rid of straws, you know. People are so upset about that, but if it was implemented, they wouldn't even notice after like a year or two. It would just become normal. Right. So definitely something we'd love to get y'all's feedback on. Um, you know, maybe if you took that survey in the Facebook group, I would love it if you could give us some examples of things that you would need to happen in order to make you feel like this was more of an urgent matter that you needed to feel outraged about. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we move on to Surprise Bitch, we want to talk about something healthy. And it's one of our sponsors, BioClarity. BioClarity is a garden-given, skin-loving beauty brand that wants to help you achieve beautiful, naturally glowing skin. Their green skincare line offers essential products to help clear up and calm your skin or keep it balanced and on track with daily nutrients. I have a lot of redness in my face, and over the last year, BioClarity has really helped tone that down, so it's become a regular part of my skincare routine. I personally use the Essentials Routine for normal to dry skin. It's a three-step regimen that is packed with gentle nutrients that nurture your natural radiance. In just three easy steps, you can cleanse, restore, and hydrate your skin every day to keep it looking its best. My personal favorite is the hydrate step. This is super moisturizing and non-greasy, and I love how it keeps my skin hydrating, hydrated without messing up my makeup application. I also love the clarifying mask. I just got this a few weeks ago and have used it twice per week as recommended, and this stuff really is the bomb. It seriously evened out my skin texture and helped minimize my pores like nobody's business. And unlike other masks, this doesn't require a chisel to remove from your face once it's dry. And instead, it comes off really easily with the use of a warm washcloth. These products are 100% vegan, cruelty-free, paraben-free, sulfate-free, and artificial fragrance-free. On top of that, BioClarity offers a 100% risk-free money-back guarantee. Take the first step to healthier, more radiant skin by going to BioClarity.com. Right now, our listeners will get a free clarifying mask when you purchase a skincare routine. That's a $25 value for free, but you need to enter our code MIL at checkout. So go to BioClarity.com and use our code MIL at checkout to get your free clarifying mask when you purchase a routine. This stuff is like a green smoothie for your face and you won't regret it. Time now for a segment we haven't done in a while. Surprise! Surprise! Surprise, bitch! Bela. In Brooklyn. No, Brooklyn. It's not time for your walk. Hello? Bela. Surprise, bitch. It's millennial. Yay! No way. Oh, my gosh. Way. How are you doing? Good. I'm sitting at home with my husband, and I see an unknown call. He's like, take it. It might be a doctor. A doctor? Oh, God. Well, it's Dr. Millennial, so he's right. <laughs> We're here to diagnose you. You got a case of the surprise bitches. So many. My husband said that I could put you on speaker. Hold on. Moshe, say hi. Hi, um, Moshe. Hi, Moshe. Hey. How do you guys like living in New York? My husband's from the Lower East Side, and I'm from New Jersey, so Brooklyn is decent. Yeah. Yeah. 
is uh, the subway system as terrible as everybody says it is? Uh, no, but I have memories of it being way better as a kid, but it could just be nostalgia. I'm going to read you a series of emotions, and I want you to tell me which ones apply to how you feel about climate change, okay? Okay. Your choices are interested, disgusted, helpless, afraid, angry, hopeful, and outraged. Hopeful, interested? What's that? I don't know. I feel helpless because the snow is like one day it's nice, one day it's cold. I'm hopeful that we'll figure it out because we're aware of uh, aware of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you don't feel like we're past the point of no return? Well, that's why I'm interested because I, I wish I knew more about the science behind it. Gotcha. So you, you both actually fall right in line with like some where some of the more common emotional responses were. Oh, that's awesome because I know nothing about it. You're a good citizen. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Any uh, 2020 candidate that's standing out to you so far? Um, so I'm a Republican. Oh. <laughs> We're going to get into this now. So I don't know because I don't like Trump even though I'm a Republican. Okay. So do you feel like you might... My be husband's t- a Democrat though. I'm a... Well, backtrack. I'm a, I'm a registered Democrat because of local um, primary elections when I was growing up. Ah, okay. So how does that work in your relationship? Do you two get into big fights or do you just like... I let... make fun of him like all day long that he's Democrat. You make and fun of him it. because he's Democrat? I don't have a problem necessarily. It's just because like we're not the same. And it's just like one of those things like a poke at. You're entitled to your opinion. But if I agree with you, we'd both be wrong. Bela, what is your well, favorite song right now? Probably from shallow from a star is born oh my god could you sing it for us right now i can't for religious <laughs> reasons or I would. understood i'll i'll sing it for you at the end of today's show because i sing it oh i'm so much. excited all right that'll be the Can closing you do it in music. a dumbledore voice in the dumbledore voice hmm interesting challenge in the shallow in the shallow <laughs> don't do it harry all right. Well, thank you su- for your support, Bela. And uh, I can't believe you've called. I've been waiting for like three years, and like <laughs> I'm on your list. You did anyway. Fi- did you you did fill out the form in April 2017? I know you've been waiting for a while, so thank you. Yep. And Laura, thank you for coming back to uh, MuggleCast. You're awesome. Yeah, I'm so excited to be back. Just so you guys know, I'm sorry to cut in, but like the amount of MuggleCast paraphernalia that Bela has and like she's like really truly a fan and I say this as her husband who has probably you should tell them how they proposed oh you want want to talk about my proposal yeah well I wasn't even thinking he did a Harry Potter proposal he tied Hedwig on the Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone and um he wrote inside will you marry me it was so sweet she made me read it I was hoping to get away with that (laughs) <laughs> that's so cute that's how you do it when you got yeah. a big harry potter fan that's on your really, hands really really sweet and my little brother had the best idea so we, i took the um book and i wrapped it in brown paper and took like cake string and like tied it up and he's like kick a candle and melt wax all over it it was like the perfect effect oh that's so cool that's yeah, a great idea so, Thanks again. Have a good night in New York and uh, Godspeed when you ride those trains. 
<laughs> Thank you. They're right. really, really okay. Except <laughs> this morning, like the holiday schedule, there's no B train running. <laughs> Every stop. Andrew, they're fine. They're fine. Except for this morning, but they're fine. <laughs> they're usually fine. Like, I love my Metro card. It's the weirdest thing, but mm-hmm. I'm a New Yorker and I love my Metro card. Ask me anything. Hey, good for you. Good for you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for your support. Of course. Thanks. Bye. Before we wrap up today's show, we want to make a couple of recommendations. Pam, what's yours? Mine is the show Pen15, currently streaming on Hulu. It's so, so good. It's a coming-of-age television show that takes place in the year 2000. And um, all eight seasons of the first uh, season, or all eight episodes of the first season are up now, and they're 20 minutes, so it's, like, really easy to binge. But the show is, like, so funny, and it has so much heart, and... Uh, it'll just transport you right back to that time in the best and worst way. It's great. Speaking of television, my recommendation is a dating show from Netflix called Dating Around. So this is Netflix's first dating show. And as our hypable critic put it, if Netflix is going to do something, you might want to pay attention, even if you don't like the genre. I don't normally like dating shows. I don't watch The Bachelor or any of that, despite uh, Pam's recommendation a couple of months ago. But this show is so interesting because it's one person going on a blind date with five people, five separate dates. It's a half hour show. And the interesting part is that there's no like crazy editing where it's like some shocking moment and then a cut to a confessional and the person who's doing the dating is being like, I can't believe this person said that. That was crazy. I immediately lost interest in them. There's none of that. It's just like kind of a raw look. And another fascinating part about it is that since you don't have those confessionals, you don't know which person is going to be selected amongst the five candidates. And then you find out at the very end who he or she has selected to go on a second date with when they just are out on the streets of New York and you see the other person come up to them. And then it's like, oh my God, they picked that person. That's so exciting. So I'm like really into this show. Unfortunately, there's only like six episodes, um, but it's really good. And like I said, they're only about a half hour long, so it's very easy to enjoy. And it's just a very interesting look into humans interacting with one another in a dating scenario. So I highly recommend it, even if you don't like dating shows. For my recommendation, I would recommend if you have a plug-in doorbell like I do, uh, definitely unplug it before recording a podcast because somebody has rung my doorbell three times during this recording. Because apparently when I didn't answer the door the first time, they thought, well, I should clearly try twice more. And you left to go find out who it was and who was it? And they were, well, no, I Well, I went and they were gone. Uh, and I was like, well, okay, whatever. And then they came back and rang a third time. And I'm just like, oh my God. This sounds like a murderer. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure I know who it is. Oh, who is it? You know. Mark? No. Your condo? You know, the- oh, your upstairs neighbor? Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Oh, that yeah. bitch. I'm, that, that is the only person I could think of who would be that persistent. Uh, we're going to have to put a hit out on her. I don't like her very much. <laughs> so what are we doing in After Dark today? I'm going to fill you guys in on this crazy thing that happened when I was in high school that is kind of related to the um, Jesse Smollett incident. 
So okay, yeah. And I don't because... think that it's a hoax. Like I, I feel like there's not enough information, but I know that there's been a lot of talk with the Smollett stuff about whether or not he orchestrated the attack. And when I was in high school, there was a hate crime that ended up being a hoax. So I thought it would be a good time to share that story because it's kind of crazy. Wait, you think Jesse is not a hoax? Yeah, I don't think there's enough information yet. So I don't want to oh. say whether it is or isn't, but I feel like yeah. it's a good time to share this particular story. Well, I've yeah, seen. I, I agree with you, Pam. Hmm? I've seen some interesting developments today, and we can throw those into the discussion because I, I feel convinced at this point that it was a setup. So we'll talk about that. Cool. Let's um, do we're it. also going to play the number. This many people are behind three months on their auto payments, which is a new record. And we also went to Patreon and we said, have you ever been behind on payments? And how did you get out of that? Or what did you do about it? So we'll talk about all of that today at patreon.com slash millennial. We need your support to keep the show going. It uh, freezes up to be able to do this show. In exchange, you'll get ad-free millennial. You will get bonus content like After Dark, like hashing it out. Today, we were talking about uh, weird alcohol laws in various states and how I can't go home to New Jersey and buy alcohol in Target, which seems so weird when I can do that in Illinois and California. So we just have these off-the-cuff discussions and hashing it out, which uh, are always uh, nice to have before we, before we jump into the main show. It's kind of like a warm-up. And uh, by the way, all of our audio content, you can listen to it through your favorite podcasting app, just like you do the regular millennial show instructions on how to connect your patreon with your podcast app it's a one-time setup are available once you pledge again patreon.com slash millennial today's closing song is shallow which i'm so obsessed with it better win the oscar this weekend do you think it will pam yes but i'm rooting for all of the stars uh the black panther one Mm -hmm. well I'll be uh, the white guy rooting for Shallow. I mean, <laughs> if I'm joining an Oscar pool, I will put down that Shallow's going to win. But in my heart, you know, my heart lies with all of the stars. Okay. I get chills every time I listen to Shallow. I'm Me just so too. Into- and it's so weird because I don't even think I really like it very much. But I get chills every time I listen to it as well. Ah, ah, the goosebumps on my arms are astounding. These are the noises, I mean vocals, I've been performing recently. And my boyfriend loves them, trust me. If you have any feedback about today's episode, or you want to submit a confessional, or you want to learn more about the show or listen to old episodes, you can just go to millennialshow.com. Everything you need is right there. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. Bye, everybody. See ya.
Do you find yourself wishing you had more energy, healthier habits, or fun family activities? At the YMCA, you can find your passion, find family fun, and find your happy place, all while supporting your community. Join the Y in March with a $0 enrollment fee and enjoy motivating group exercise classes, heated pools, pickleball, and so much more. Visit YMCADC.org to learn more and to find your nearest Y in D.C., Maryland, or Virginia today.